Amen. Amen. Happy Sabbath, everyone. All right. Um, as we're continuing with the, the thoughts that have gone forth from this morning, um, Val going into the, to the, to the nervous system and dealing with the body, Christ being the head, the one that sends all the messages throughout the body. And um, Swinnon was going over the, the judgment and uh, the, the judgment, it, it being set and beginning in, on October 22nd, 1844. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to try to pick up from there, um, dealing with the message that introduces the judgment. Um, and as that message introduces the judgment, that message is the one that calls for people to prepare for the, for the hour of this judgment that has now come. So within that message, is a, it's calling for a work of preparation, and we want to take a look at that to see how we prepare for this judgment. But before we do, I wanted to look at some points um, that, that, that um, Swinnon opened up. He, he brought up, and I, I just wanted to, to bring it together, hoping that we could see something from it that, that will bless us. As we go back to the time period uh, in Daniel, in Daniel 7, Daniel 8, Daniel 9, and Daniel 10, from, actually from 8 all the way down to 12, you have the, the, the subject of the 2300 days. Amen? Amen? And in it, Daniel, Daniel he's shown the, the, the powers that are, that are contending with, with the sanctuary and the host. And you come down, Swin and went through, you came to verse 13, and the question is asked, how long shall be the vision concerning the daily and the transgression to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot? And the answer come, unto 2300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Now, if you look at it, what does that answer have to do with the question? You know, because uh, it has everything to do with it. He's asking about the trampling down of God's people, but he jumps over. What does he jump over? I want to see if anyone... In, no, not that. Uh, you may not get it. He jumps over 1798, correct? Yeah. And where does he go? October 22nd. October 22nd. But where, was, where does the trampling take place? Yeah, but why does he jump over that and go straight to October 22nd, 1844? Because that's when they're true. Because what is he really cleansing them from? From false teaching, from errors. That's where he's truly going to cleanse his people from his people from. So it's really dealing with a religious work. And Daniel 8 opens up with a ram and a what? Which is sanctuary animals. They're dealing with the sanctuary system. Everyone's following? When you go to Daniel 7, it's unclean beasts. It's dealing with the earth. But this one is dealing with the work with with, with um with heavenly things, if everyone's following. Um, the, he go, the ram and the he goat is all sanctuary animals that is used to deal. Adventists used to teach the, back in the old days to show us that Daniel 8 is all about the sanctuary. And when you go to Daniel 9, it introduces who's the one that does the work in the sanctuary, that Christ was anointed to, to perform the work of the sanctuary. And when you go to Daniel, Daniel 10 and 11, it shows you the closing work that is being done in the sanctuary. But in order to understand those, you have to understand all four of those chapters and, and, and their order in which they're given. So when you go into the history of um, um, the, the, the 2300 days, this is just a brief overview, and then we're going to take a look at something in regards to the first angel. In 538 B.C., what happened? 538 B.C. The so yeah, the fall of Babylon. Amen. Who took Babylon down? Cyrus, amen? Cyrus took Babylon down. And three years later, 536, this is Daniel chapter 10. Daniel 10, um, it says in the first year of Cyrus, um, Gabriel comes to give Daniel light upon what? Upon Daniel 8. He comes to give him light upon Daniel because the vision wasn't... I know I'm, I'm just briefly going through it. 
So he comes in 536, this 538, and um, two years later, 536, we could read about all of this in Prophets and Kings. In 536, Gabriel comes to give Daniel light about the judgment. But who's hindering this light from coming? Satan, Satan is hindering this light from coming. What did Cyrus have to do in 536? He has to pass the first decree. So what's the, what's the one message that Satan is going to fight the most? The first one. Why is he going to fight the first one the most? Because that one's the foundation. The hardest thing to lay is the what? It's the foundation. If the foundation be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? The Bible says. So the one message he's going to fight the most is the foundational message. Because if you fight, if you hit, if you lay that one wrong, it doesn't matter what you build on it. It's always going to be what? Wrong. So that foundational one must be laid by who? Christ himself. Christ comes and lays that foundation first. So he used Cyrus as what? As that illustration. Everyone's following? So in 536, Cyrus passes the first decree because who comes down in Daniel 10? Michael comes down to, to, to drive back Satan so that Cyrus can make that first decree. Amen? He comes down to show his authority over the earth. So fast forward to the future. You come down to now, we're going to go through this, to 1798. What happened in 1798? Sunan just went over this. The fall of Babylon. And what came there? The first angel's message. Who came here in 538? And, the, and Isaiah says, Cyrus is my what? Shepherd. So who came here in 1798? The, and who's the shepherd? Christ. Christ. So Christ is parallel in the fall of Babylon with the fall of Babylon. Amen? Amen. And he's shown he came here in 530, Cyrus, typifying him. And then he comes here in 1798, showing that this is when he comes to, to bring his people from out of where? Captain, Captain. Babylon. But who's going to hinder from there to 1840? Satan is going to hinder that work. So from 1798 down to 1840, that work is being hindered. We may not understand it, but it was really being hindered. Amen? There was a struggle going on in the nations in the world at that time. Everyone's following? And then in 1840, the, one of the Millerite preachers, Josiah Lich, gave a message that the Ottoman Empire was going to fall. And what did that do for the first angel's message? It gave it power. And Ellen White says, who came down? Christ came down showing his what? He said, how did Christ show his authority in 1840? That he's controlling the flow of human events. Amen. He showed that he's controlling the events that's taking place in the world. And that should have convinced everyone to fear God and give glory to him for what? The hour of his judgment has come. 1798 and 1840 showing how he's going to judge the nations of the earth. Because 538 to 536 is showing how he's going to judge the nations of the earth. Amen? People were to fear in 536 when, 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 he, when he came down. There's some event happened in 536 that drove people back and made Cyrus go forward and pass that decree, just like something happened in 1840 to make the first angel's message go forward with power. Amen? And now that foundation is laid, and now we, that once that foundation is laid, it, it cannot be moved. And this is the foundation that we must do what with? Build upon. Amen? That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. No other foundation can be laid other than that which is, which is laid, which is Jesus Christ, um, the righteous. So now we're going to take a look at that. So when you go back to this time, 536, 
the first decree passed. Cyrus passes the first decree. Once that decree is passed, the laws of the, the, laws of the Medes and the Persians is what? They don't change. Amen. So we know there's going to be a second decree. Amen. Because it doesn't change. And then there's a third decree. that. And what is a decree? It's a law. Amen. And I don't have time to go through this. When you come down to, to um, um, the time of John, John, Revelation 1, verse 9 says, John was in the Isle of Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. The three angels' message is the what? Is the testimony of who? Jesus Christ. So the 2300 days is about the what? The law and the what? Testimony. And Isaiah 8.20 says to the what? To the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to the 2300 days, there's no what? There is no light in them. So at the end of the world, if we're not teaching according to the 2300 days, there is no light in them. And that's why Ellen White can say what she says. This is the foundation that, we've, that we should build upon. And this message goes all the way down to the second coming of Christ. Amen? Because that's what the 2300 days, it goes all the way down to the second coming of Christ. That's what it's designed to, to show us. And this is the message that Seventh-day Adventists should be teaching until Jesus returns. Amen? Amen. This, is, this is the foundation that all should be, should be building upon. So now, let's take a look at the notes. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to try to, I'm not going to rush, I'm just going to walk through it. Many of this we're not going to read, they're just there for reference point. So the first angel's message arrived, comes into the, come to this earth. What does the Lord ask us to do? In Matthew 25, um, in Matthew 24, Matthew 25, Christ is given a, 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 um, a discourse on his second coming because a question was asked, what, what is the sign of, um, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the what? End of the world. And the reason why the question was asked is because Christ just finished um, cleansing the temple. And then he, he pronounced judgment on the Jews. And he says, your house is left unto you desolate. And then he told them that the temple was going to be, he told them in Matthew 23, not one stone is going to be left upon another. He said that there. And then he says, you shall say, blessed is he that come in, in the name of the Lord. So the disciples heard that. And in their mind, the temple's going to last forever. Because just like in Daniel, in Daniel, when Daniel got the vision of Daniel 8, he couldn't understand the relationship between the natural temple and the spiritual temple. He didn't understand that connection. And when you come to the time of Christ, the disciples didn't understand that, that connection. How's the temple going to be destroyed? They didn't understand that it was going to transfer from earth to where? To heaven. And when you come down to the Millerite history, they didn't understand that it was going to transfer from where? Earth to heaven. So when you come to the end of the world, God's people is not going to understand the relationship between what? Earth and heaven. Everyone's following? So, amen. So the whole purpose of the 2300 days is to bring our minds from where? Earth to heaven. The 70 weeks, it was designed to bring them from earth to heaven. So the, the, the disciples preached Christ was going from earth to heaven, and the Millerites preached that Christ was going from the holy to where? To the most holy. And, and God's people to so walk with him by faith through the, the whole purpose of the 2300 days is to build faith in God's people so that we can follow him in all the work in which he's doing. Amen. So let us continue now. So in Matthew 25, Christ comes and he gives a sign. He says one of because the, he, he, the disciples ask him, what shall be the sign? Matthew 25 is a sign. When you see Matthew 25 being fulfilled, this is a sign that you reach the point where, where the coming of Christ is at hand. When you see a people going forth preaching the second coming with power, 
This is a sign that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So all these things we're going to look for. So let's take a look at Matthew 25, where it says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their what? Their lamps and did what? Went forth to meet the bridegroom, and five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. All right, jump down to, um, go down to went forth. That word went forth, when you look it up, it means spread abroad. So you're looking for a time when, when God's people is going to go, going to spread abroad and give a message about Christ's second coming. Amen. This is what you're looking for. And in GC, LNY says, the coming of Christ is announced by the first angel's message was understood to be represented by the coming of the bridegroom. The what? The widespread reformation under the proclamation of his soon coming answer to the what? Going forth of the virgins. So they recognized that when the message of 1840, it was widespread. That, that message went to all the worlds. And all these virgins, they took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. But what was the problem? Oh, there was, there was a problem for a half, but not a problem for another. Amen. Some took oil and some did it. So when the message go forth with power, what should we be taking? Oil. oil, not just oil, the lamp and what? Oil. So it's under the first message where we take the lamp and the oil. Amen. That's what, so it's, it becomes important to understand what the lamp and the oil is. What are they a symbol of? Because we have to take them when this message goes forth with power. Amen. All right. So going on. And I saw, she says, the first angel answers to the going forth. So let's take a look at the first angel. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth. And this is like what Swinon was going over. And in Romans 1.16, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the what? It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the what? To the house of God first, and then what? And then to the Greek. All right. And then when you go to Romans 10... Paul commenting on the same preaching, he says, how shall they preach except there be a what? A preacher. So the, how shall they hear, thank you, except there be a what? So the first angel's message, who is this? These are preachers. These are preachers going forth, giving this message about the everlasting, the everlasting gospel, warning people, like Swinon was going over, that the hour of his judgment is what? Come. All right, so let's continue. And here's what the message said. Saying with a loud voice, Fear God and do what? Give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. So this is what we're asked to do. Fear God and give glory to him. So let's take a look at, at, at some of these things. Let's look at this next point. A loud voice means demanding attention. So when the first angel's message goes forth, it goes forth with power, calling attention to the whole world. This was a sign to let people know that Christ was prophecy was being fulfilled in that time. So something transpired in the time period of 1840 that called attention to the whole world, basically calling them to, to, to the message of the first angel. And I'm just going to read this quote from Acts of the Apostle. In a loud ringing voice which rose above the shouting of the people, Paul demanded their what? Attention. Go down to the next one. Um, this is the one that, that Swindon was referring to. In Revelation 10, we, we might mention that a little bit. The mighty angel who instructed John was no less a personage than who? Jesus Christ. Setting his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the dry land shows the part which he is acting in the closing scenes of the great controversy with Satan. This position denotes his supreme power and authority over the whole earth. 
The controversy has waxed stronger and more determined from age to age and will continue to do so to the concluding scenes when the, mystery, when the masterly working of the powers of darkness shall reach their height. Satan united with evil men will deceive the whole world and the churches who receive not the love of the truth. But the mighty angel, what? Demands attention. He cries with a loud voice. He is to show the power and authority of, of his voice to those who have united with Satan to oppose the truth. That's literally what happened on August 11, 1840. Josiah Litch predicted that an Ottoman Empire would fall on August 11, 1840. At that time, that was, a, that was a foolish prediction in which he was given. Does anyone know why? They were at the height of their power, and there was no evidence whatsoever that that power was going to fall. So what Josiah Litch was saying to the world, it looked ridiculous and it looked crazy. And so much so that infidels and atheists and many people said, if that prophecy come to pass, then the rules in which these Miller... <coughs> yeah, say it, go it again. Yes, they will become Adventists. They said if that prophecy come to pass, it will confirm the rules that the Millerites are using. Not only will it confirm the rules that they're using, but it will confirm the date that they said that Christ is coming. So, and, and if the Ottoman Empire falls, it will really show that God's hand is actually controlling the movements and the fears of the earth. And when that prediction came to pass, and on that very day, that's the only prophecy in the Bible we're taught in Revelation 9 that's given down to the very day and, and the hour. It's given to that time that on August 11, 1840, the Ottoman Empire will fall. And on that very day, the Ottoman Empire surrendered to the four Christian powers. And the Bible says multitudes were what? Convinced of the correctness of prophetic interpretation. Now, I, yeah. Amen. By Miller and his associates. And many people, the virgins did what at that time? Took their lamp and they went forth to meet the bridegroom. Where? They went forth to meet him on, in 1843, as we can see on the chart. That was because Matthew 25 says they went forth and then they came to a what? A tarrying time. Matthew 25 marks off the two, the two predicted times that the, 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 the Adventists thought that Christ would come. They thought he would come in 1843. So they went forth to meet him in 1843. But the Bible says at midnight there was a what? A cry made. And then they went forth to go meet him in 1844. Amen. So they went forth to meet him in 1843. And then a cry comes at midnight and they go forth to meet him in 1844. But the problem is still some have lamps and some don't have what? Oil. All right. So let's, let's continue with these thoughts. So let's, what does it mean to fear God as we look at this? Um, Ecclesiastes. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and do what? Keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. So this text tells me to fear God is to do what? Keep his commandments. So in theory, the virgins were doing what? Keeping his commandments. But where is God leading them down to? To show them one because there was one. They were keeping his commandments. They had no other gods before him, right? They weren't bound to idols. They weren't taking his name in vain. Amen. They were honoring their father and their mother. They were not killing. They were not stealing. They were not coming at adultery. They were not bearing false witness. They were not, they were not coveting in their neighbor's good. They were keeping it, but there was still one thing still lacked. One thing they lacked. And what was that? Sabbath. The Sabbath. Amen. So they were keeping it, but there was still something, but it wasn't time for God to do what? Reveal to them that 
that said that one is a that one was deeply rooted that one was 1260 years of papal darkness so that one takes a little time to do what to cleanse amen that one takes a little period of time to cleanse and when they came to october 22nd 1844 the lord cleansed them from this from sunday worship and they accepted all of his commandments gladly the first in other words, fulfilling the first angel's message. It showed who feared God on October 22nd, 1844. Amen? All right, so let's continue. Job 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, one that feared God and did what? So what is the first angel's message asking me to do? To eschew evil. Amen? To fear God is to eschew evil. Just look up what to hate evil and to turn away from it. Amen? So the first angel's message is calling men to turn away from evil. What's, what else is it calling them to do? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and what? Instruction. instruction. All right. So knowledge, wisdom is all instruction. So the first angel's message is coming to do what? Give men what? Instruction. Instruction on what? What is, what is God giving them instruction on? The judgment, but to do what? Something else? To build a house. What did Noah receive? To do what? To build a house. We want to see that at the same time. Like Swinon went over. When did the Lord come to give Noah a message? When he reached the end. When it reached, when the time of the end came, when the Lord says, Noah, the end of all things has come up before me and he's about to destroy men. So 1798, what is that? The end of all things has come. That's what he just went over. The time of the what? The time of the end. The end of all things has come up before God. And what does he do? He gives the final warning message to the world to prepare for what? The coming of the Son of Man. Because Christ says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when? In the coming of the Son of Man, in the time when the Son of Man shall come, a message is going to come warning people about the coming flood that it's coming. And right there at the time of the end, at that appointed time, a message arrived. And let's prove this. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. I want to um, show us that Noah's message is lined up with the first angel's message. It's, this one's not in your notes. But go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Instructions. Noah received instructions to build a house. Go to Hebrews 11. And verse 7, and it says, By faith, Noah being warned of God of things, what? Not seen as yet, move with fear. So what is, what is a warning? Things not seen as yet. So Noah received a warning about something he didn't see as yet. And what did he do? He moved with fear. And what does the Bible say he did? Prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness, which is by what? By faith. So Noah moved with fear and prepared a house. So the first angel's message is calling men to do what? Move with fear and do what? Prepare their bodies. Prepare your bodies for the, for the, for the flood that it's coming. And Amen. And that's what the Millerites, the, the Adventist people did on August 11, 1840. They really believed that Christ was coming and they moved with fear and prepared their house for that coming. But the Bible says they came to a first disappointment. Why? Because the Lord was testing their sincerity in that message. In the time of Noah, how were they tested? 
It was a long time. It was a period of time. The Lord was testing people's sincerity if they really believed that a flood was coming over that period of time. Everyone is tested in the same way. God's dealing with, with, with men is what? Ever the same. So going back, we're just looking at fear. Um, going down, um, Job 28. <clears throat> Unto men, he says, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is what? Wisdom, and to depart from evil is what? So to do what? So if you're not departing from evil, you're not what? You're not understanding. So the first angel's message comes to tell people to do what? Depart from evil. And to give them knowledge to help them to do what? They just came out of the 1260. What are they holding on to? What are they holding on to if they came out of the 1260? A lot of evils. Because Daniel 7.25 says about the man of sin, what was he going to do? Think to do what? Change times and laws. How's he going to do that? He's going to make people think that God's times and laws has been what? Changed. So when people came out of the 1260, what kind of thoughts do they have? Evil thoughts. How do we know that? Let's look at Genesis chapter 6. Let's look at Genesis 6. And God saw that the wickedness of men was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil what? So in 1798, every imagination of the thoughts of everyone was what? Only evil continually. Why? They just came out of the Dark Ages. They just came out of the 1260, and all, they, they still had the wrong idea on the state of the dead. They still were keeping Sunday. They still, they still were doing, um, they didn't know how to study the Bible. They were still doing penance and all these different things the Protestants were holding on to. And a message comes in 1798 to do what? To begin to cleanse them or take them out of Babylon. Just like he did in 538, Cyrus came to free people to remove them from out of Babylon, literally. Amen? That was a literal coming out of Babylon, but we know this one is a spiritual coming out of Babylon. False teaching. God, the first angel's message is to turn men's thoughts back into the channel of heaven. Amen? And to receive the knowledge. Let us continue. Um, Genesis, Matthew 15. And Jesus said, Are you also yet without understanding? Do not ye, do not ye yet understand that um, that." Whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly, and, and is cast out into the drought. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed what? Evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashing hands defile not a man. This is the work of the first message, to cleanse the thoughts, to have minds have men's mind running back into the channel of heaven so that they can receive the instructions, proper instructions from God. But I want to take a look at something else. Um, 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in grace and in the what? Knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All right. The first angel's message, what does it ask? Fear God and do what? This is where this, the difference between the wise and the foolish now takes place. The giving of the glory. This is where the oil matters. The first angel asks us to do two things. It says, fear God and do what? Give him glory. Well, what does it mean to give God glory? That's, this is where the oil now comes into picture. Because the fear of the Lord is what? Knowledge. It's, it's, this is knowledge. Everyone is given knowledge. And Ellen White says the foolish virgins, they move with fear. 
They took their lamps. They took the knowledge about Christ's second coming. They took the teaching and they, they went out to go meet the bridegroom, but they weren't giving God glory. The first angel asks us to do things. So what does it mean to give God glory? This, this is what we want to look at now. Um, let's read this quote. The coming of Christ as announced by the first angel's message was understood to be represented by the coming of the bridegroom. Jump down with me to the next bowl. Um, oh, do I want to go there? No, I want to see if I want to read this. Um, actually, actually, go up to the, I didn't bowl this one, the part after Matthew 24 where it says two classes are represented. And it says all. Does everyone see it? Okay, it says, all had taken their lamps, the Bible, and by its light had gone forth to meet the bridegroom. But while they that were foolish took the... Huh? Everyone's there? Okay. But while they that were foolish took their lamps and took what? No oil with them. The wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. The latter class had received the what? What did Peter say? Grow in grace. So what wasn't the foolish doing? They weren't growing in grace. Because Peter says grow in grace and in the knowledge of God. The first angel's message asks us to grow in grace and in knowledge. It's twofold. We have to grow in the grace and we have, well, what does it mean to grow in grace and in knowledge? Let's continue. The, um, receive the grace of God, the regenerating, enlightening power of the Holy Spirit, which renders his word a lamp to the feet and a light to the path. In the fear of God, they had studied the scriptures to learn the what? Truth. Notice next one. And had earnestly sought for purity of heart and life. Amen. The first angel's message asks us to do two things. To grow in knowledge and at the same time seek for purity of heart and life. In that same message is instructions on how to have purity of heart and life. Amen. This is all the first angel's message that's represented here. In the image of Daniel 2, there's something, there's a lesson in here to help us to seek for purity of heart and life. And, and these of Dan, the, the vision of Daniel 7, there's something in there that teaches us to seek for purity of heart and life. In the message of Daniel 8, there's something in there that teaches us to seek for purity of heart and life. The Lord chose the right diet at the end of the world. Amen. But there's a class that only wants this knowledge. They only want to teach this. But they don't want to teach also that we also must seek for purity of heart and life because this is what this is showing. And notice what she says. It's the grace, it's the oil that renders his word a lamp, a light to our feet. Amen. It's the grace that makes God keep giving us light. That's what makes the Bible shine and bring forth all the light that we desire to have. It's one thing to get the knowledge, but it's another thing to have the character connected with that knowledge. Amen. And the Lord leads it up to us to seek for that purity of heart and life. That part is really up to us. Defects in our character. Amen. So let us continue back with that quote. Um, said, These had a personal experience of faith in God and in his word, which could not be overthrown by disappointment and delay. Others took their lamps and took no oil with them. They had moved from what? Impulse. Their fears had been excited by the solemn message, but they had depended upon the faith of their brethren. Satisfied with the flickering faith, the flick, flickering light of good emotions without a thorough understanding of the truth or a genuine work of grace in the heart. 
These had gone forth to meet the Lord, full of hope and the prospect of immediate reward, but they were not prepared for delay and disappointment. When, when trials came, their faith failed and their lights burned dim. Does anyone know what the difference with their history and our history is? Their, their time and our time, there's a difference. They didn't know that a disappointment was coming. Y'all follow? They had no idea that a disappointment was coming. Amen. They literally went out to go meet Christ. They really believed he was coming on, on, in, in 1843. That's what they first thought. They, 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 really, they read Matthew 25. And how did they miss a tarrying time and a midnight cry? How did they miss those things? Only the Lord knows. He shut their eyes so that they couldn't see those things. And when they got there, they were disappointed. And right there, right there on April 19, um, 1844, the, those who accepted the message, when they came to that disappointment, they turned away, and now the second message was now confirmed. Babylon now what? Fell. fell. Right there. Why did they fall? They rejected the message that came from heaven, telling them to fear God and give glory to him. Right there, the Protestant churches stopped fearing God and giving glory to him. Right there at that point. And they only increased until they came to October 22nd, 1844. And then, and then the, the real light came on when Christ was going to come or to cleanse the sanctuary. But the Millerites thought he was coming to cleanse the earth. They were looking for his second coming instead of the, still the work of his first coming to cleanse the hearts of men. Just like the Jews, the Jews looked towards the second coming. Looked for, they, they were looking for the power, but they were not interested in the grace part, the character part. Of, of that message. The Millerites was looking towards the power, but they were not interested in that grace part, the character part of the message. And when you come down to the end of the world, what has changed? Nothing. Nothing. Everyone wants that, the, 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 the crown part, but everyone overlooks the what? Crown. The cross part. The cross part is this is the grace, that this is the, what the Lord wants us to, 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 Paul says he glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. This is what the Lord wants to do. That part, seeking for purity of heart and life. The crown is promised to those who have that grace. We, the, you will receive that crown if you have that, the, the, the knowledge and the oil to go together. So go down to Exodus 25. I just wanted to put this verse in. Oil for the light, spices for anointing oil, and for sweet incense. So the oil is for the light. This grace is what keeps it going. Um, Revelation 14, 6. Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. So now let's look at some texts. Let's bring some texts together and to see what it means to, to, to give glory to God. And it says, And Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, what? Glory to the Lord God of Israel and make what? Confession unto him. So what is the first angel's message asking us to do? Make confession unto God. This is how we give glory to him. So what weren't the foolish version doing? They weren't confessing. They were professing to confess. Y'all follow? Because the Bible says they make a profession of faith. Outwardly, they appear to be virgins. But when they go home, no confession is being made to the Lord. In other words, without oil, you can't even what? You can't confess. You need the oil in order to make proper confession. Just go back up to the verse we just read. Oil for the light, spices for anointing oil, and for what? Sweet what? Incense. What is incense a representation of the Bible? Prayer. prayer. So what makes our prayer sweet? The oil. Amen. The oil makes our prayer sweet. So the wise virgins, their prayers was what? It was sweet as it was coming up to the Lord. But when the foolish went to pray, what did Christ say? 
Depart from me. What? I, yeah, I know you not. We don't want that to happen to us down there. So we have, to see, we have to get the knowledge. We have to fear God. But we must also seek for purity of heart and life by what? And how do we depart? What did Joshua say? Confess. Confess. Amen. Confess your sins. So we give glory to God by confessing our sins. If you're holding on to your sins, you're not doing what? You're not giving glory to God. To give glory to God is to confess that sin. Only you know what it is because the Holy Spirit comes to do what? To convict of what? Sin of righteousness and what? And judgment. He's, this is so those who receive the first angel's message, the first thing the Holy Spirit is going to do is what? Convict you of your sin. And right then and there, what do you got to do? Confess it. Amen. And Peter says that the Holy Spirit is given to those who obey. So as you confess, what does the Lord do? pours in the oil. And as you confess, he pours in the oil. Why? Because you're giving glory to God. Amen. All right. So let's go on. Let's look at another one. To the end that my glory may sing what? Praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks unto thee for what? So how do we give glory to God? By giving thanks. Amen. By giving praise and thanksgiving for him cleansing us or, 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 or freeing us from some bondage, some error was holding us in bondage. Amen. Well, we so must go ahead. We're going there. We're going there. The, the 10 that Christ healed is about the day of atonement, because on the day of atonement, when Christ cleanses us from our sins, if we don't do this, we're not going to get that blessing. So we have to know what it, what it means to give glory to God. So in the real judgment of the living, we will perform and do that work. Yeah. Just go back to the type. When, when the high priest came out, what did the people do? They praised the Lord. They gave glory to him because, because all the sins was, yeah, they put it, it went up on the head of the scapegoat. Go ahead. Sins on before, before amen. Um, Confess him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. Give glory to God. So let's look at Luke 17, what remarriage is brought. I'm glad the mind is working because that's, that's what I want us to see that Luke 17 is tied to the parable of the ten virgins. So let's look at it. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him what? Ten men. Ten men. What is the parable of ten virgins about? Ten men. Is that the ten, ten is a symbol of the what? The whole, the whole world. Yeah. I, I wish I had put that in there. It's in Zechariah chapter, I think, um, 12 or somewhere in there where it, say, it, it says ten nations. Ten is, ten is a symbol of the whole nation. Oh, the whole, Revelation, 17. Revelation 17. Revelation 17. Yes, the ten kings. Also it says, fear God and, and keep his keep Amen. And there's ten. Ten commandments. Uh, of man. Amen. Amen. And James says, if you offend in one point, you're what? And the Millerites, they were offending where? In one point. But did they know? No. no. On October 22nd, now they knew. Now God tested, see, who feared God and who was going to do what? Confess their sins. On October 22nd, the foolish virgins show that they were never confessing their sins all the way up to that point. Because when October 22nd came, all the Lord revealed was they weren't confessing their sins. So what is the Lord showing us? That's what Swinon went over. There's nothing hid that shall not be what? Revealed. 
He revealed who was not confessing their sins on October 22nd, 1844. They were still holding on to the doctrines of Babylon. But it was where? In their hearts. It was in their hearts. But the Lord, the Lord knows it. Let us continue. Ten men that were lepers which stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, what? Jesus, Master, have mercy upon They lifted up their what? They demanded God's attention. Do you know what? I had looked this up one time. Um, I think it was, I forgot where, it's a text. Someone prayed, and the Bible says God answered. Do y'all know what that word answer mean? To pay attention to. When we pray, and if God answers you, he's paying attention to your prayer. That's a blessing to, to, to have God, yeah, paying attention. Christ, what is he about to do? Pay attention to them. Because they said, Lord, have mercy. Um, they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And 14, let's look at Christ's answer. And when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were what? As they what? As they went forth to, to, to what, what happened? They were cleansed. So let's look at this word cleanse. This word cleanse, it means to purge, to purify. They were purified. So as they went, they were purified. Um, let's look at Daniel 12 now. And he says, go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till when? Till the time of the end. Many shall be what? Only if they what? Go forth. If you don't go forth, you won't be what? Purified. You won't be cleansed. It's as, as they went, they were cleansed. Many shall be purified. And I have, that's the first angel's message. And made white. What is that? The second angel's message. And what? Tried. The third, what are they going to be tried on to see if they were purified and if they were made white? Amen. Tried. And, but the wicked shall do wickedly and none of the wicked shall what? But the wise shall what? And just bring all the text that we just went over. None of the wicked shall depart from evil. None of the wicked shall, shall give glory to God. And none of the wicked shall, shall purify their thoughts. And none of the wicked shall confess. But the wise shall confess. They shall depart from evil. They shall give glory to God. And they shall purify their thoughts. These are the ones. And then Christ is going to give them the crown of life. Amen. So it says, as they went, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took, for, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. As the virgins went, they were cleansed. Let's look at what people, all ten of them were cleansed. Both the wise and the foolish, they were cleansed. Because all ten lepers were what? They were cleansed. So what is the Lord showing us? As we take the message and we go forth and give it, you're cleansed. But I want us to see something. We must recognize that he cleansed us. Yeah. You, we must recognize when God frees us from some bondage. We must see it. Some people don't see it. Because they, you got to have faith because you got to discern. Wait a minute. The Lord just freed me. And I'll give a testimony. I remember when I was in the world and this message came to me. When I was Actually, I was in the church backslid and this message came to me. And, and I was wrestling day and night praying, asking for deliverance from this one thing, asking for help. And then somebody shared this message with me that we're learning, the Millerite history. And I accepted that message. And I remember talking to that person. I always complained and murmured and did all those things. Man, I'm tired of this. I don't like this. Oh, when is things going to get better? Life, man, life is a drag. And then this message came to me. And all I kept talking about was the message. And I didn't recognize it at that time. And the person stopped me and said, Kanad, you didn't notice something changed? And I said, what? You notice you don't complain anymore? 
all you ever talk about is the message. And I'm like, when did that happen? When did that change take place? Yeah, all I ever talk about is this message. And I recognize, man, Christ freed me from that. He, he, he made me not worry about my troubles anymore. And I realized that the power of this message, that this message, when you take this message and go forth, you will be cleansed. And you must what? Recognize it. Because now that I recognize it, what, must, what does Luke 17, what's the principle teaches me? Give glory to God. Giving glory, sincerely thanking God for doing something for us is very important. That keeps the oil coming into our vessels. Amen. And we're going to see that is very important. Getting knowledge and giving glory to God, they, they, they must go together. They must blend. And we must confess. Basically, if sanctification is a work of a lifetime, then confession is what? A work of a lifetime. Amen. We must continue confessing and putting away sins. Let us continue. Um, little book. Um, little book, Grace and Peace. Jump down with me to verse 2, 2 Peter. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the what? Knowledge. Knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Well, we just read it. Swinton went over Daniel 12. And we just read in Daniel. And at the time of the end, there shall be a what? There shall be an increase of grace and knowledge. Because at the end of the world, men need more grace. Grace doeth much more abound. Amen. Because in the 1260, the man of sin filled the whole earth with darkness. And in 1798, Christ came at the darkest point in this earth's history and brought the first angel's message. Basically, it's Genesis chapter 1 all over again. Let there be what? Light. In 1798, Christ says, let there be light. And the Bible says what? And there was light. And in that light was grace and knowledge. And, and Christ leaves it up to us to, to, to get this light. Let's continue. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord, according as his divine power have given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that have called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious what? promises that by these ye might be partakers of the what divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust and beside this given all diligence what add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge jump down with me for the sake of time down to verse 9 but he that what lacketh these things my people are destroyed for what lack of knowledge because they what they reject this knowledge. They reject this grace and peace. Amen. Let's continue. But he that lacketh these things is what? Blind. Who's the blind church? Laodicea. So Laodicea does what? They lack these things. Lackney is blind and cannot see afar off and have what? Have forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall what? What happens into the second angel's message? Babylon is what? Because they weren't what? Doing these things. If you do them, the first angel's message arrived, and, the, and those who received it at the first, they weren't doing these things. And therefore, on April 19, when God brought them to the test, what happened? They fell. Because they to reveal that they weren't doing these things. But nonetheless, the true, the true light came, the midnight cry, the true midnight cry, as they call it, once again, giving people an, an opportunity to receive this message once again and go forth to meet Christ. And the same thing happened again on October 22nd, 1844. Let's continue back with Luke 17 now. 
And one of them, when he saw that he was what? Healed. What? Turned back. So whenever we recognize that we're healed, what are we to do? Turn back. We're to repent. Amen. Turn back and with a what? Glorified. He demanded God's attention, not for asking for something, but what? Giving him glory. Amen. He turned back with a loud voice and glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him what? Thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the what? Nine. There are not found that what? Return to what? Give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee what? He got a whole cleansing. Y'all follow? Because he turned back to give glory, he got a whole cleansing. What, what about the other nine? They only got the natural. Amen. This man was seeing things spiritually. Amen. Yes, that's what he was saying. He got the complete cleansing. One gets the natural and one gets natural and the spiritual cleansing. Amen. What does that mean? One gets to understand the natural history correctly and one gets to see what it's all pointing to also at the end of the world. This man is going to be able to see what Peter said to see afar off. Amen. He's going to be able to see afar off. Give glory. Let us continue back with giving glory. Jeremiah, hear ye and give ear. Be not what? Proud. For the Lord hath spoken, what? Give glory to the Lord your God before he cause, what? Darkness and before your feet stumble upon the dark mountains. And while ye look for, what? For light he turn it into, what? The shadow of death and make it, what? The Sunday law comes because men are not going to give glory to God at the end of the world. They're not going to fear God and they're neither going to give him glory. And the Lord says, what is he said he's going to do? He's going to turn things into the shadow of darkness. What does that mean? What does that mean? Let's look at what Job says. Let's let the Bible tell us what that means. Amen. He says, before I go, whence I shall not return, even to the land of what? Darkness and the shadow of what? Death, a land of what? Darkness as darkness itself and of the shadow of death without any what? So what's darkness? A place of no order. What's happening in America right now? It's become, why, but why does the Bible say it's becoming a place of no order? Not giving glory, not giving glory to God. Mm-hmm. Not giving glory to God. How are they not giving him glory? Judgments are coming, and instead of men fearing God and seeking wisdom and, and turning and giving thanks unto him, turning from their sin, confessing their sins, repenting and giving glory to him, they're not doing that. So what does the Bible say is going to happen? God is going to give them a, a time of a place of no order. Go ahead. Amen. Yes. Amen. And and I wish we had time to go through that because there are signs that show that they forgot. Mm-hmm. They begin to change certain things as as time goes on. So, um, Jeremiah tells us, "Be not proud and give glory to God, uh, because if we don't." The Lord's going to turn light to darkness. He's going to, um, while you look for light, he turn it into the shadow of death and make it gross darkness. The 1260 was a time of gross darkness. And where was the Bible? It was prophesying how? In sackcloth. In what? Darkness. It was, and if you want light, what do you have to do? You have to go find it. You have to work hard for it. Does anyone have another witness for that? 
How about Elijah? When Elijah says there's going to be what? Famine. For three and a half years, there's going to be a famine, right? And if anyone wanted light, where did they have to go? You had to go find Elijah. Elijah, Elijah was hidden. He was taken from the, the Lord made that time a time of no order because the people was not giving him glory. They were not fearing him. They were not seeking after a knowledge of him and they were not giving him glory. So he turned that that time into a time of, of, of disorder. Yes. Amen. Amen. And as long as you're doing that, the Lord's going to keep giving you light yeah. and he's going to keep giving you his grace and knowledge and awe. Malachi chapter 2, this um, glory coming down to a um, quote. says, If you will not hear, and if you will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name, save the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yea, I have cursed them already, because ye do not lay it to what? The heart. So the first angel's message calls us to do what? Lay it to the heart. Yes, he does. Amen. It's Malachi chapter 3. Amen. Amen. Tithes and offering. Amen. With a curse. And notice what it says. If ye will not hear. And how shall they hear except they be what? Except they have a preacher. And the first is, and I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven having an everlasting gospel to what? Preach. So we better hear and, give, and fear God and give glory to him. Um, Revelation 4.9, um, the scene in heaven. And when those bees, what? Give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on a throne who liveth forever and ever. To give glory is to give honor and thanks unto God. In other words, this is how the oil keeps coming. By giving, giving thanks unto God continually, the oil keeps coming into our into our lamps. So as the Lord gives us an understanding of his word, we should return to give him glory so that that oil can keep coming into our, into our vessels. I, I know it seems simple, but it really is that simple. Mm -hmm. And this is what the foolish virgins, they, they, they didn't do. They were only interested in the knowledge, but not the character that the Lord really wants them to have. Um, Revelation 16, 9. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which had power over these plagues. And they repented not to do what? So what does it mean to give glory? To repent. Confess, repent. And when you look up the word repent, it means to think differently or afterwards, that is reconsider. So in 1798, because they're coming out of the dark ages, the Lord sent these messages to help men and women at the end of the world to do what? To think differently. Why? Because Genesis teaches me, because Christ teaches me, Christ says, as it was in the days of Noah, so just go look at the days of Noah. Men's, the, the thoughts of men's heart was only what? Evil continually. So when you come to 1798, the thoughts of men's heart was only evil continually. So the first angel's message come to say, hey, think differently. Why? Because Daniel 7.25 says, and he shall what? Think to change times and law. So his thoughts was in the mind of the Protestants. So the first angel's message came to change the channel of men's thoughts. Go ahead. Oh, no, I thought I heard somebody else before you. So the first angel's message is the first message that begins to change the thoughts of men. And the second angel's message shows who's not allowing God to change their thoughts. And the third angel's message is going to bring the judgment upon those who's not, who's allowing and who's not allowing the Lord to do those things. 
So last couple quotes. Um, this is now let's look at a practical experience of this in Millerite history. I saw that God was in a proclamation of the time in 1843. It was his design to arouse the people and bring them to a testing point where they should decide for or for or against the truth. Ministers were convinced of the correctness of the positions taken on the prophetic periods, and some renounced their pride. What did they do? They began to give glory to God. Renounced their pride and left their salaries and their churches to what? So they were what? Cleansed from place to place to give the message. But as the message from heaven could find a place in the hearts of but few of the professed ministers of Christ, the work was laid upon many who were not preachers. Some left their fields to sound the message, while others were called from, from their shops and their merchandise, and even some professional men were compelled to leave their prof professions to engage in the unpopular work of giving the first angel's message. What's the first angel's message? Unpopular. All right, go on. Ministers laid aside their secretarian views and feelings. Now, like what Swinon was saying earlier, this is why she can write like this. Because we just walked through the Bible showing what the fear of the Lord is and what it means to give glory. And everything she's writing here is about people who feared God and those who didn't fear him and those who gave glory and those who didn't and how they went. And as they went, they were cleansed. That's what the Bible says. As they went forth, they will be cleansed. They will be purified. The first work for Christ to do is to purify a people. The second angel's message is to teach us the truth because Christ says he's the way. The first angel's message puts you in the way. The second angel's message teaches you the truth that keeps you in the way. And the third angel's message comes to judge, to see who's in the way and who has the truth and gives them life. Amen? That's how that, that, that three-step process works. In every generation, Christ has done the same work in every time. And now, once that work is done, you're prepared for the judgment. Amen? Once it's done, you're now ready for the judgment. So there's a work to be done before you even come to the judgment. And we must have that work done in us in order to stand where? In the judgment. Amen. So let's continue. Ministers laid aside their secretary of views and feelings, united in proclaiming the coming of Jesus. Wherever the message was given, it moved the people. Sinners repented, wept, and prayed for forgiveness. And those whose lives had been marked with dishonesty were anxious to make restitution. Parents felt the deepest solicitude for their children. Those who received the message labored with their unconverted friends and relatives and with their souls bowed with the weight of the solemn message, warned and entreated them to prepare for the coming of the Son of Man. Those cases were most hardened that would not yield to such a weight of evidence set home by heartfelt warnings. This soul, what? Purifying work. What did we just read in Luke 17? It's purifying. Many shall be purified. This soul purifying work led the affections away from where? Worldly things to a consecration never before experienced. Thousands were led to embrace the truth preached by William Miller, and servants of God were raised up in the spirit and power of Elijah to proclaim the message. Jump down with me to the next bowl. And as the solemn warning to flee from the wrath to come was sounded, many who were united with the churches, what? Received the what? The healing message. They saw their backsliders and with bitter tears of repentance and deep agony of soul, humbled themselves before God. And as the Spirit of God, what? Rested upon them, 
They help to sound the cry, fear God, and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come. We just walk through the Bible seeing this very scene. Amen. That's, the Bible shows us clearly that that is the work that's to take place. The, every story in the Bible is given a, 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 an illustration of the work that takes place under the first and the second and third angel's message. Now, I don't want to just give the theory of this. Everything that's on this chart is a representation of the message that produces this work. The, all these things on this chart, if it produced it for them, it should have the same effect upon us. Amen. The book of Daniel, right? So the message of Daniel and Revelation is designed to purify people, to make them white so that they can be tried in the judgment. And then we have this chart that only made a correction to the date, 1843. So the, this chart is a representation of the first disappointment, while this chart is a representation of the correct date that was given to them on, on points into October 22nd. It, you need both of them. Why do you need both of them? Because it's a witness. Yeah, it's a witness. Because these two charts, they're going to speak again at the end of the world. Because they're written for a witness for the judgment that's coming. What judgment are we going to have to stand in? The judgment of the living. And you need these two witnesses so that we know what Christ is going to judge us on. This is what he's going to judge us on. Nothing else. This is what we need to understand in order to stand in the judgment. All that man needs in order to, to pass the test is represented on the two tables. And how do I know? Because all that man needs, if you don't even understand the message, is to keep the Ten Commandments, the message on the two tables. Amen? The commandments is the law, and these messages are the testimony. That's all, man, because that's what, isn't that what Solomon said? This is the what? Whole duty of man. This is man's whole duty. It's to fear God and keep the commandments. This is the whole duty of man. So the whole purpose of the messages is to lead people to keep the commandments. How do I know that? Because on October 22nd, these three messages led the Millerites to do what? To keep the commandments. Fulfilling the very work that God designed these messages to do. Everyone who followed these messages will always be led to keep his commandments. Amen? Um, continue. Um, Last, last quote, I, I like this quote, um, which brings out the oil a little better. It seems so sad that we praise God so little. Gratitude, praise, and thanksgiving need now to be what? Search for and what? Cultivated as what? Lost arts. They are more precious to the Lord Jesus than all the treasures of gold and silver which the earth contains. That's the knowledge. But she says these are more precious then those things, the knowledge is to, to lead people to do these things. Amen? Because we're to search for the truth as for hid what? Hid treasure. But in searching for the truth as for hid treasure, we should cultivate gratitude, praise, and thanksgiving. Amen? Because she says, the, she says, they are more precious to the Lord Jesus than all the treasures of gold and silver which the earth contains. Every human being should appreciate the kindness and love wherewith God has loved us. When we were yet enemies, Christ gave his life that we might be saved. How much have we appreciated this gift? And that's what it means to give glory. Amen. Amen. So I pray that at the end of this, we, we are encouraged. Um, as we look at these messages, we're asked to do two things. Fear God, get the knowledge, but also do what? Give glory to him. At the, amen. Confess, repent, turn, and thank the Lord for, for, for what he's doing. This keeps the oil coming into the, 
into the vessel. And this is what renders his word a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Shall we close with a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you, O Lord, for your mercies, O Lord, and for, for um, being with us this Sabbath and for blessing us and helping us to understand these truths in which you have sent to us at the end of the world. Lord, we pray and ask that you help us, O Lord, to, to, be, um, to be faithful like the men of old, learning to fear God and also learning to give glory to him, understanding that the hour of his judgment has come. We thank you for, for preserving these truths for us so that we can look into these things and study these things and hopefully have, um, have the same experience that the men of old also have. Please continue to be with us. May you continue to help us to keep this day holy. Please forgive us of our sins, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.